Hello, welcome to episode 194 of Three Bears in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird, and with Barry Neal. Barry, we're once again doing this by the wonders of Zoom, and because it is still technically a pandemic, we can now do little things, but we still have to, we can't really be with each other in the way we'd like to be with each other. Yeah. Though, uh, yeah. so if you happen to be watching the news over the last like, couple of days because England's been let out the houses, you would have honestly have thought there was never a pandemic. True. Uh, even yeah, when true. we were driving about yesterday, where we were going down at the water's edge, there was literally people pretty much clustered together, not yeah. a mask in sight. So yeah. we know the inevitable, we're just not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it because we, we get depressed. We'll try and enjoy the nice weather, the fact we can do a lot of, we can see each other in some level of, you know, public area. So we'll try and enjoy yeah. that over the next um, you know, few weeks until all oh, shit hits the fan again. Um, we are doing this quite early on a Sunday because of, you know, for reasons. Um, I've got quite a hard out, so I've got to get away by about in the next like, quarter to five minutes. So we'll try and be quite brief tonight. Are you drinking anything today? Um, while we are- no, no, no. I've just, I've just smashed a coffee into my face because I've not long woke up. Uh, and also I'm heading back to work tonight. So, yeah. yes. Well, I'm on God's own H2O, so uh, I'm also being quite well behaved just now. Um, nice. But um, it, is, it is early on a Sunday, to be honest, we're doing this. So maybe yeah. that's, that's the reason why. Uh, move on to very quickly, we'll move on to movie news. I've got nothing in terms of movie news, nothing really jumped out at me um, in terms of, of anything really interesting. Um, what about yourself? Anything of interest? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the same cab. Uh, once again, it's been another quiet week in Hollywood, and I don't really want to go down the TMZ route of just digging up dirt. So yeah. this this is a kind of I want to pick your brains about this situation. Oh, interesting. Because I'm intrigued. I relate to movies in a way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> intrigue, you intrigue. Did you see the story that came out either yesterday or the day before about scientists using uh, human embryos in like monkey embryos? Like they're going to try and stick like human embryos into like monkey bits. This is it's an old story because the, the Russians done this during World War Two. They tried to do it. There's always like sort of um, rumors of like a. A human monkey hybrid was born, but it didn't live very long and stuff like that. I'm sure the Nazis were involved in doing shit like this as well. It just seems like it's very mad scientisty, to be honest. It's, it's, it's... So, what, what's this going to be a movie? How does this relate to movies? Are you want a giant King Kong human person, or are you wanting what you want? Planet the Apes. Planet of Apes. Apes. Yeah. Well, see, that's my kind of concern. That like, see, right now the scientists is all like, oh, I like, we're not going to let it go too far, and I'm just sitting there going. All it takes is just one rogue scientist yeah. to smuggle that shit out, and before yeah. you know, we've got Jurassic Park. Yeah. You know? Well, remember the apes in Planet of the Apes weren't human apes; they were sort of they were yeah. different. In the um, most recent, there was like a gas that made them smart rather than um, there weren't there, were, there was no monkey fucking. Is what I'm trying to say. There was, there was no human monkey mix. But I do often yeah. see it's an interesting point. I do see stories like every now and again. Like the one that happened right at the start of the pandemic, it was like um, scientists or archaeologists, sorry, find hidden chamber and pyramid, you know, and mm. they decide to open it. I'm going, don't open the hidden chamber. If you're not, we've all watched enough movies, we all know the shit, going, don't open the hidden chamber. Or like, scientists defrosted 10,000 year old bacteria found in the Arctic, and it's still yeah. alive. I'm going, again, have you not seen the thing? Just leave it alone. It's going to kill you. Don't go <laughs> Don't Just leave the shit alone. Stop fucking with things that have been left sleeping for a long time. And also, don't become, don't make monkey-human hybrids. I mean, as funny as it might be, and as everything it could be, don't do it. Just don't do it. I, I, I just struggle with like the ethics of it all. I'm just like, why are we doing this? We don't need to do this. Like, <laughs> what is the purpose of it? And let, yeah, yeah, I agree. 
they're sitting there talking about like harvesting organs and all that, and you're sitting there going like, surely this is just opening more ethical questions about the fact that you're making. If you decide to go the whole hog and make some sort of strange like human monkey hybrid for simply for harvesting, surely we're entering some sort of strange like matrix battery level like yeah, kind of. We're making we're making creatures for spare parts essentially at that point. Yeah. 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 I don't know, it was, all, it was all very weird, and I'm just like, this is worse than Boston Dynamic. This needs yeah. to be shut down immediately. I just, I do think you spend far too much time on YouTube and Reddit, so you really need to sort of take a look outside <laughs> now and again, because it's you're going down dangerous paths. The pro- my biggest problem was that this actually made it onto the mainstream news. This is how I actually heard about it. Okay, I was right. just like, yeah, this isn't good. <laughs> yeah. um, but other than that, no movie news from you, no? No, no, sadly not. It was just, not. just loosely tied into Planet of the Apes and Jurassic Park. So, <laughs> well, okay, so we'll move on to the movie reviews for this week then. Um, start with the first one. It's a Netflix release. I think it's a Netflix original, and it's called Thunder Force, directed by Ben Falcone, um, who also directed films like Tammy, Life of the Party, and The Boss. You might see them all familiar. They all star Melissa McCarthy. He is Melissa McCarthy's husband. Um, the plot of this film is that. A meteor shower hits Earth, people are sort of transformed into superpowers, but all people who get superpowers are basically the psychopaths and the sociopaths, so basically all become supervillains, and there's no one mm-hmm. around to sort of stop it. Two friends, one of them becomes two, one of them is super smart, becomes a scientist, and she basically creates a serum that can turn give you give nice people superpowers and they can try and fight back against the, the supervillains. Unfortunately, her best friend, who's not the smartest, you know, in in the, in the class gets this and she becomes one like sort of one of the superheroes and it's the two of them fighting crime together mm. and much hilarity ensues. Uh, in the film you've got Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer, they're playing the two best friends. Jason Bateman plays not the baddie but the baddie's henchman, which is very odd. And um, yeah. Bobby Cannavale plays the the main baddie. Melissa Leo plays the sort of head of the scientific department. And Taylor Mosby plays another a young girl who plays Octavia Spencer's daughter. And Pam Clickenteeth is in it. Tom Clickenteeth, sorry, is in it as well. Um, start yourself, dude. What do you think of this one? This was oh. actually okay. Oh, fuck. Jesus. It was, I've got two problems with it. The fact that they missed two opportunities to play either Thunderstruck by ACDC or a Slayer t shirt because, uh, sorry, a Slayer song because she was wearing a Slayer t shirt. Slayer, I would probably say less expensive because Slayer maybe got a bit cheaper, but ACDC, yeah. you're paying big bucks to get that money on the down soundtrack. It's it's purely just because the film was called Thunder Force. I'm like, and because there was a few moments where you're like, just slide it right in there and it'd be magic. But outside of that, it was it was enjoyable. Would I recommend it? Probably not. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. I hate what I don't like about it, and and it happens a lot in these kind of movies. I see when there's like more like a like a working class friend or whatever. They're always like kind of like just this low level like job, and they're like. The minute they finish, they're instantly cracking open like a yeah. cold one before they've even left the yard. And you're like, uh-huh. we really need to get away from this. Like, I mean, there's literally real, there's probably more strict rules now in those yeah. kind of work than there is like in office jobs now. You can I probably know. get away. 
working at office jobs more than you can at these blue collar jobs. Right, that's something that I've noticed. Like, I, I, like Melissa, that, that, you're talking about the Melissa McCarthy character. She's basically yes. the, 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 the blue collar, but a bit rednecky, you know, walks around and just sort of slayer t shirts and, and drink beer and, and, pretty, and it sort of has no personal grooming of any effect and doesn't really care about herself and just sort of exists. Yeah. And I've noticed Ben Falcon, who, ben Falcon, who is our, our um, husband, who's also in the film, he plays one of the henchmen, the one who gets electrocuted in the convenience store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so. Um, in films like Tammy and The Boss, he, he treats her like that, sort of like he likes the slobbishness of her and a sort of like the nastiness of her. Whereas everything I've seen Melissa McCarthy like in interviews and things like that and like in our films, when she plays it, she's actually quite a sweet person. And she mm. plays a sweet character really well because her big hit was obviously Bridesmaids, which she plays a sort of proper, sort of just loud mouth, sort of, you know, absolutely sort of almost you can barely deal with her kind of person. She has to really go back to that. But if you watch her in something like Life of the Party, she plays a like kind of sweet mother who's like trying to sort of reconnect with her daughter. She's actually a lovely character. Right? Same in Gilmore Girls and same in St. Vincent as well. She's a, I think she's a much more interesting character because you play someone who's a lot sweeter and, and doesn't like, yeah. sort of lay into the sort of the more nasty side of, it, of our persona. Yeah. Um, like I, said, I, I liked it for what it was. It's it's obviously jumping on the tail ends of like the kind of superhero hype. And like you said, I was a bit gutted that uh, what was it? Bateman wasn't actually the main... I found he would have been a more believable bad guy rather than just some random mayor guy that can crush people. Aye. Because it wasn't like, like hardcore superhero like genre because there was a bit of leeway you could you could visualize him being a a leader of a, a gang of henchmen rather than yeah. like you know second in command or whatever you know aye um i did I like just, his little puns that he made and stuff you know aye um i'm i'm kind of with you a little bit like I, you, you've been you've, i thought you were gonna say you liked it for a start i thought you were gonna be really positive <laughs> on it i i'm it's I was a, on the fence i was on the fence it's a decently fun premise. Um, mm. we've, we've actually quite a solid comedy cast. You know, McCarthy, Spencer, Bateman, Cannavale. They're all they're all good actors, and all and they've all been very funny at times. This wasn't funny. Mm. That's yeah. If you really get some people comedy, you've got to be funny. And this didn't have us. I didn't laugh once in this. No, no. Like I said, there was a a few quirky bits, like uh, the scene the scene when they're in the bedroom, and she's yeah. like she pulls out like the. It was either powder or sauce or something. Aye. Like, it was, it, it was like a kind of funny premise, but yeah. it's like, like you said, there's no, there's not really any sort of like hard hitting, barely laugh yeah. jokes in this see, at all. That stuff felt like you didn't like Barb and Star, and I didn't like, and I like Barb and Star, right? But that stuff felt like if you get the tone right, you can have something like Barb and Star where it's so ridiculous, it works and it can be very, very funny. Mm. I kind of seen those bits a bit like we you saw Barbara Star going, this is not funny. I don't get why it's funny. Um, and the biggest part of it, I thought the tone never settled at all. Like, I never really knew if it was going to work. I didn't really know if it was trying to be funny or trying to be more kind of straight-faced, mm. kind of a bit more heart to it. And particularly around the Melissa McCarthy character, who at the start of it is pretty much, you know, you realise she's a slob and she's sort of, like, you know, drinking on the job and stuff like that. It doesn't take much for her to, like, return into sort of, like, sweet, lovely character. And then within a minute, she's back to being a sort of slobbish, idiot character again yeah. it felt like it never really settled on what she was supposed to be or it never showed like, like it never really there's there no sort of gradual sort of change in her it was just sort of like up and down depending on what the scene demanded um, and yeah. 
and the scene in the restaurant that they have like the date between McCarthy and Bateman, that was one of the, some of the, the most unfunny um sort of improvised comedy I've seen all day. It was just it just did not work to me. It went on for so, so long. And mm. that was I struggled with that bit. Um also it's a comedy over 90 minutes. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Why make a pop again? It's, it's a big bug they was, why do it? Um, yeah. if you want to have Cannavale and Bateman in the film, at least use them properly. But he's like Bateman's barely in it for a start, and so is Cannavale, who are again a very good actor. And it's like at least use the two guys to have, you know, make them interesting. And it wasn't really and Melissa Leo, who is like sort of the, the head of the department who runs the superhero division, she's an Oscar winner. Ah. You got a fucking nice. Oscar, and she's like, she plays essentially an almost no name character. Yeah, yeah, I know. That, I know it's crazy. That crazy. was embarrassing. Um, so, it, for a Friday night film, it killed a few hours of a Friday night, but to me, it was it was very average, and I would give it a very, very average five out of ten. Yeah, I was I was giving it six out of ten, like purely just because it was like, for what it was, it was okay, you know. Yeah, but if you're looking for much like McCarthy stuff, there's better stuff out there. I would say, like, I'd much rather watch Life of the Party again. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I found that much funnier. Or Bridesmaids, obviously, is excellent. Um, from that, we move on to a film called The Dissident, um, which is directed by Brian Fogel, and it's on Amazon Prime. Um, Brian Fogel directed the film Icarus that we watched a few months ago. It was the one about the doping yeah. scandal in Russia, remember, about the, the yeah. athletes? So he's, he's done that one. So, yeah, he, he, documents are always sort of off the time. They're not, he doesn't really look back on stuff from years before. It's always sort of within quite a short space of time that he's um, trying to investigate, so that's a big plot for that. Um, the plot of this one is basically following the the mother of a journalist who works for, I think it was the New York Times or Washington Post. Uh, Washington Post. Washington Post. Uh, Jamal Khashoggi, who basically one day walked into the Saudi Arabian Enterprise, um, sorry, em, em, embassy in Turkey and never came out, and he was murdered in the embassy on, by all accounts, on the orders of the Saudi Arabian government. And it's mm. the investigation into this and the response to this and the ultimate non-action by the world over a government doing this. Um, I, I really like this. I, I thought one well, like lights are really hard to use. It's not it's pretty it's a particularly sad documentary when you're watching it. Um, but it is exceptionally engaging and I thought the, the way they put it together was, was really well done. Um the in a way I like the fact that it focused less on him and more on the cover-up and about his end. So in a way, it was nice. It was just sort of try to get to the, the root and the issue of the Saudi Arabian government and um, what they do. But I felt they missed a wee bit of the humanity of the man who was killed. Like there's a few wee snippets of the man like, like talking, and then um, you see his wife or his long-term partner talking, and a few friends. There'll be a few anecdotes, but it feels like again they just almost treat him as sort of like a MacGuffin in it a little bit, you know. Mm. And it's it could have been anyone. It's not really important who it is. It's just important that it happened and. I felt a wee bit lost in that, um, but there's a lot of and there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in it. There's a lot of strands that move around in it, so it did feel quite bloated at times, and it does, it doesn't really sort of belly down and focus on things. There's a whole bit and they go on a tangent about Jeff Bezos at one point, which yeah, I thought yeah. was for a film that's playing on Amazon Prime, it felt very odd, like almost like he had something to hide and to try like sort of distance himself somehow. And I felt that's a wee bit strange, you know. Aye. So that felt odd to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When I was watching it, I'm not gonna lie, like the whole Jeff Bezos bit, I was a bit like, yeah, like you literally could have left it at he was in, he was the secret guest uh, to this like vision 2030, and then 
when all this started coming out, he decided to take a step back. Like literally, you could have just left it at that because any smart business person would do the exact same thing. Yeah. Or oh, shit, shit's kicking off. I better not be seen hanging out with these people. Aye. That that would have been it. But like you said, I completely agree with you. It was like I liked how it more focused on the cover-ups and like them trying to fucking weasel their way out of the fact that uh, this guy was killed in their embassy, you know? And it's like, it showed you like all these people walking into the embassy and then coming back out like a wee while later and all that. And then it was done. And then they had ordered like, it was like crazy amount of like meat to what they think to cover up the smell of them burning them and all that. And you're like, Jesus Christ, man. This wasn't done in a whim. This was done, it was state sanctioned. It was state organized, you know? But then... What I kind of found was a bit random, and I, I know it kind of fits the narrative of like free speech and journalism and all that kind of thing, but I found the whole tangent with Twitter a bit too long. Yeah, because that this was a chunky documentary. See, for being a documentary, I found this quite chunky to watch. Yeah. It was like it was a ball here off like two hours, and for me, I just found that a bit chunky because like they really could have compressed all that Twitter stuff. I found Aye. the Twitter stuff that's. Too- that's what I was mean about the strands. It felt like they, they put a lot of different strands together, and sometimes they sort of wound into a conclusion at the end. But the Twitter mm. stuff just felt sort of like just wandered off in this different direction for a wee bit, and then it's like, yeah. they never, and then they sort of just left it. And I'm like, we've already had documentaries this year about what Twitter and how that kind of stuff works, and you know, so like that one we watched, the social media one we watched maybe about three, four months ago, that sort of touched and all that kind of stuff. So it felt they're trying to do like three or four different documentaries in one when the story itself is pretty compelling. Um, mm. And I think there can be more accountability of like, you know, could you not try and get more people from like, say the American government or the British government or any government to go, why do you still do business with these fucks? You know, why yeah. do you still embrace these people? If you saw them like getting turn off planes and stuff, getting greeted by like the British prime minister, by, you know, presidents and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. obviously because of oil, they have oil, that's what it is. But it's like, it oh. just, it's, it's the cow-tailing to these people, and it's like they're absolutely, and then we're giving stuff like even stuff like the World Cup's going to Qatar, which is sort of the same idea. It's like they're just they, they're just oppressive regime, but and it's pure money. And it's like you really should be looking at this kind of stuff rather than sort of, I mean, use that, use this jumping off point to sort of look at the sort of the world's the Western world's reliance on Saudi Arabia and how yeah. much they let them away with it, and, and would be and why do we allow it, you know, and what's and if, if they allow it to do it once. Do we, I mean, what, what's the line? If you let me kill a journalist in their embassy, and mm. essentially they admit it, and yeah, there's been no sanctions whatsoever. What's the what's the what's next? Like, what, what where's the line we go? That's too much now. You know, it feels like yeah. it became pretty clear very early on that there is no line. Like, we're, 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 as long as they as long as they've got oil, as long as they keep giving us oil, then we're fine. We can do what they yeah. want in the embassy. And that was it. Was just it was that was kind of heartbreaking to watch because. It's not dissimilar to that story that's happened down in England with a young boy getting killed by the intelligence officer's wife. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like, you go, it should, there should be reckon, you know, uh, right repercussions for stuff like this, but because this person has some connection to something that we need, we let them away with doing something hurry, like heinous. You yeah. know, it, that's horrible. And like, uh, in, a, in the exact same kind of vein, it's the exact same shit that we're seeing with China. We're so yeah. reliant on one country. doesn't matter who it is, but unfortunately it happens to be China right this second. Because we're reliant on them so much for everything, 
they're pretty much getting away with like concentration camps of like slave labor and all that. Right. And nothing gets done about it, right. you know. There's 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 video footage of all this stuff going on, and yet everyone seems to just turn a blind eye, and never gets talked about or nothing. And you're like, I think it's maybe time I actually stepped up and just started yeah. doing something. Up, sorry, our government's actually stepping up and doing something about it. All right, but, but it's the same with Saudi Arabia. They don't want to rock the boat, you know. For yeah. whatever reason, they just simply don't want to do it, you know. Yeah. It's so sad. And that's the thing about documentary, it felt like it's, as a way, in a way it was good that they, they, they did focus on the repercussions to some degree, but there wasn't really much repercussions. So because of that, yeah. I felt they left a lot of the man off the, the, the story and, I felt, and almost treating him like the way Saudi Arabian government, the way the other governments are treating him, he's just a, he's just a man, he's, who's really cares, just one guy. But that one guy's got friends, family, you know, who, yeah. who, who loved him, and it felt like they should have done more with, with that. But I, 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 Overall, it's an interesting documentary, really. It's well it, It's a very, it's an interesting documentary from the point of view of like a look into like the structure of like the country. Like yeah. I didn't realize there was like there was one fella. So I, I can't remember any of their names. Yeah, so I'm yeah, point, yeah. It was like one fella who made the kingdom, and then it was like all these kind of like uh, sons. Yeah. And then it's like how it's just went along the food chain, like through the course of the decades. It's All like right. when Lassie's up or whatever, just the, the king title just gets moved along. And then how it's became more of a dictatorship now, yeah. whereas in the beginning it was more spread out where all the brothers would help the king run the kingdom. Yeah. There's, a, there's almost there's a, like a almost democracy to the point of at least more than one person had an opinion or more than one person had action. Yeah, but yeah. all power is consolidated in one man. So... To get back onto the documentary, yeah. it's like what I found was quite horrible, at least for the people uh, of that area, was they think they're free. Yeah. But this like documentary for me at least highlighted that they're not free. Like they think they've got social media, but it's controlled social media. Yeah. So at that point, you're like, well, you may as well just have like a, a Chinese style. Yeah. Like internet where it's like all completely controlled by the government and everyone knows it and you're not allowed to kind of like look at westernized things but then the thing is how do we know that our social media is not controlled yeah oh no i totally did it's like you know we all know that uh, social media is very toxic like we know this but it's um yeah it's just kind of brutal man it's you know i know that stuff is controlled because you see it by the kind of adverts you get nowadays. And we know that kind of comes through the kind of like analytics of like Google and everything else about yeah. either what you talk about or what you look at all the time. But it's, yeah, it's just kind of brutal to think that the government's sitting there just with a gang of like a room full of people just slowly controlling what starts trending in terms of like if it's Twitter, like hashtags uh, and all that jazz or whatever, you know. It's, yeah, it's just a horrible thought, you know. And it, you know, it, it doesn't exactly inspire me to start using more social media, you know. No, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for something to watch, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting piece of you yeah. know piece of history essentially. Because it's something I imagine, and hopefully in like a hundred years time, maybe fifty years time, this might be seen as a, an important moment. We just, maybe we can't see it right now for what it is because we're right in the middle of it still. You know, something we can maybe hopefully look back and, and hopefully it doesn't become a footnote on history. Hopefully it does become something important. Um, I would give it a very solid 7 out of 10. 
Yeah, totally do. I'm with you on that one as well. The only time, the only thing is simply the running time. If it was just trimmed here and there to tighten it up, yeah. It if you trimmed it by taking some of the stuff out, like for example the Bezos stuff and the Twitter stuff, that would really that that'd probably get down to like an hour and a half and it would have been a much more palatable documentary probably for mm-hmm. kind of felt more streamlined at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, on to our next film, which is a film, it's a sky it's on Sky Cinema, it's a Sky Original, um, and it's called Antebellum, directed mm-hmm. by Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz, um, who have really only done music videos, have not really done any sort of major cinematic releases. They're all very much known as the music video guys. Um, the plot of this film is a, a young black woman wakes up and she is essentially in 1800s or turn of the century America where she's on a slave plantation and she's trying to survive. Um, she's from the modern day, but she's somehow on this plantation. Um, and the story sort of evolves from there. It's hard to give much away, say anything without giving the whole plot of the story away, so I'm trying not to say much. But essentially that's the plot. It's a, it's a person of today transplanted somehow Onto a, a plantation, um, and trying and like I said, trying to survive it, and with, with all the with all the knowledge that they have of what life is now, you know, back you know now back then, um, and the yeah. film that Janelle Malone, uh, Janelle Monet, who plays the sort of the, the main woman, Jenna Malone pops up in it as well, and they have annoyingly similar names, but they're very different, different looking people. Uh, <laughs> Jack Houston, Eric Lang, and Toge Chrisini, Chrisai, he's also in it as well. So it's a, an interesting cast and quite a, a relatively well-known cast in terms mm. of acting, maybe not household names, but always very solid um, actors. Um, what do you think of this one? Uh, well, first and foremost, first and foremost, I watched the trailer because I was intrigued and right, okay. thought, oh, this is a fucking horror movie. So I yep. put on my big boy pants and watched it when the sun was up. I didn't, so, I didn't watch the trailer. Like, without giving the twists and spoils away, does the trailer mm-hmm. give away stuff? Uh, no, because like I said, like I went into this movie thinking it was a horror movie, and all things considered, it's not. You know, it's not a thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it's but horror, the way it's horrible, the horrible aspects of it, it's definitely more of a thriller than a horror. But see the way the tra- go now that you've watched it, go yeah. back and watch yeah. the trailer and see the way it's been cut. Like this isn't spoilers. I'm going to try and stay spoiler free as much yeah. as humanly possible, but. The bat in the hotel with the with the young girl seeing uh-huh. the trailer uh-huh. that looks like it's a fucking horror movie. Yeah, it definitely like, does because it is horrible what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. brutal. That, but yeah, but, uh, but I let's say go back and watch the trailer. Honestly, yeah. you'll you, you'll come away going, is this even the same fucking movie? Uh-huh. But anyway, so uh, yeah, that's yeah, interesting, quite sad. Uh, yeah. Fucking like, I hate to say it, but you can genuinely see some mad shit like this happening. Yeah, because we even even over in here we like that is reenactment groups that recreate like famous sword battles from like history and stuff yeah. over here. So I'm assuming it's no different, but this is just like on another level, and yeah. you're just like, oh god, yeah. oh god. Yeah. Uh, this is this is part of the problem. But part, I, 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 thought, I thought it was really interesting to see. Um, but annoyingly, and I've done this. I've done this with Shutter Island as well. Ah, oh, okay. Everything from Shutter Island, the one with yeah, yeah. I, I twigged the twist of Shutter Island really like the first five minutes. Ah, oh, so shit. Because of that, it kind of ruined the whole film. I'm just waiting for it to drop. I twigged what this was in the first maybe twenty minutes of what the twist would be. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So, 
there's another film which I'm, I'll talk to you about it off mic that sort of has echoes of this film. And as soon as I saw the way this was set up, I'm going, this is what this is. And because uh... of that, I was just waiting for that to happen. That being said, the film itself, it's still quite visually striking. You can tell these guys are music videos, but they do seem to be sort of very big on the visual aspect of it. You know, they're sort of very mm. much, you know, some really the slow-mo photography and it's and it's some really sort of fantastic, sort of these like moments of still, yes. still shots. So, but because of that, it did feel a little bit like sort of style over substance a wee bit to me. Mm. Like the yeah. stuff that happened was horrible. and But I don't know if it had any bigger message other than racism is bad. Which is a perfectly valid message, but it wasn't in the way, not in the same way that Get Out or Us gets under your skin to try and like sort of show the more sort of modern racism and how it sort of seeped into culture and how even people who think they're, you know, not racist can still show this bias and it's trying to make and making a definitive point about race in America, race throughout the world. That's mm. just basically the point of racism is bad. White people are fucked. Look what they're doing, and it's again what they're doing is horrible, and that, that's a completely valid position to have. But mm. it just didn't seem much deeper than that, and, and it, but it puts itself across as a horror film, a horror film with sort of smarter ideas, like an Us, like a Get Out, where you're kind of waiting for more from it, and it didn't really have more. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, um, yeah, the scene that I found quite jarring was the. See the bit when the fella was in the little kind of uh, like brick kind of house looking thing and he was sitting by the door and then the camera slowly pans yeah. out and you can see outside that it's all beautiful sunshine and all that. I found that like quite a like a quite a hard hitting scene because mm. you kind of see that he's fucking like suffering like nobody's business, but outside right. it's you know, like sunshine and roses right. and all that. And also the idea that he, the idea that he could go outside if he wanted to, just he can't. He physically doesn't want to do it. He, he's sort of institutionalised into where he is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the cast as well. I thought the cast were all very good in it. Some like the Jack Houston and Eric Lang played nasty men very well. You know, like sort of mm. you, you did hate them. There was no doubt in it. They were horrible in it. Um. Jenna Malone played a horrible woman in it as well. She was, again, you just did not like her. And those mm. women are all, they're in a lot of films that the sort of, the white women who sort of just, is, you, you almost look at them as almost being, they'll be nice because they're a woman, they won't allow a woman to get raped or such like. Um, and they don't, and somehow them not stopping it makes them feel, makes them even more evil. I don't, I, they're not, but it makes them feel even more evil, that, you know, just to make them really horrible characters. There's one in yeah. Django as well who does the same, who sort of like, they treat, you know, it's it's a, it's a it's a real nasty kind of character. You really, you know, and it, it's just you, you, they shouldn't. I shouldn't make them make them worse characters than the guy who's doing the raping. But somehow, to me, they always just come across worse. Maybe it's a, a chauvinistic and very male gaze on the film. But the idea that we're not intervening, she sees her husband do this. You're like, oh, that's fucking horrendous. Um, yeah. And you know, Molinari playing in, the, in her first sort of lead role. She's been in other things before, like Hidden Figures. And um, this is her first lead. Um, performance. I thought she was very good. I thought she held the camera well. I thought she was definitely watch very watchful as an actress. Um, mm. But a lot, there's a lot to like in this. I just feel like it, it had bigger, it, it sort of presented itself as having really big ideas and sort of interesting ideas. But in reality, it just sort of became very um, sort of, it played to the, the middle ground too easily as, as to what, it, what its point was. And again, yeah. I think me twigging the, the, twigging the twist was probably a bit um, probably about taking a wee bit of the shine off from me as well. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. Uh, the only person I had problems with was our was our pal. Uh, He's a horrible character. Why? Uh, the character's name's Dawn. Like just constant. Every time she like, she was just interrupting. Like every, like every scene, she came in and it's like bulldozing her way right oh. into that conversation, and you're like, I'm like really, really not liking you. Oh. The scene in the restaurant when she's the guy tries to hit on her. Yeah, and he sends a drink over. Like honestly, you wanted only bad shit to happen to her because yeah. the way she dealt with that guy was just absolutely horrendous. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's not like that. It's just, it's almost like maybe that's kind of like a point of like, oh, privilege. Like she feels privileged, and it's like, like if a white person done this, it would almost be seen acceptable because that's the way white people always been. For Butler does it, it's maybe not quite so, but it's something, something new. But I just thought the way she done it was just an absolutely horrendous way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and everything about it made me feel going. And all, it made me feel like she's a really horrible character. Even Jill was saying that she's wife, and she's going, she's a, she's absolutely horrendous as a character. I know, I know. Like. It's been well played, you know. Ah, yeah, no, she played it perfectly because in, in the way she played it, you were like, well, yeah, I do not like you at all. And yeah. what was a bit of a shame there was nothing really for in it after those like, two scenes. I'd like to see more of yeah, it. I know, I know. She was kind of just very quickly kind of like dropped uh, oh. in, a, in, a, in a strange way. I would have been, it would have been interesting to see her like uh, further into the movie without yeah. spoiling it. Uh-huh. Um, also, my only other takeaway from the movie was. And it's pretty much a good life lesson is always fucking double check your fucking Uber before getting into it. You know, you get you get sent a picture of your driver and a register plate. Make sure you fucking check it. Even Man, when I've been half caught, I've still had that two brain cells to fucking check before I wander in, you know? Yeah, you might get it back in 1800s America in a plantation. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting film. It's definitely, it's definitely got some views. Definitely some some ideas. Um, I'd give it a solid six out of ten. Nice. I was giving it seven. Very. You like them all, and me. Mm-hmm. Um, on from that to our final film of the week, which is one that's on Netflix, and it is Concrete Cowboy, uh, directed by Ricky Staub, who it's his feature film debut. It's quite a decent cast for a feature film debut. Um, and the plot of this film is essentially it's a bit it's a bunch of essentially modern day cowboys in Philadelphia. Who mm. there's like sort of a block of houses and like maybe a wee neighborhood where they keep they still have horses, they keep them in their houses and they sort of ride them through the streets, and that's a form of transport. And it's you know, this it's been that they've had the stables essentially there from like you know the early, early days of Philadelphia, and have just never they've always just ridden horses. And um, mm. but unfortunately, what's happening now is the gentrification of the neighborhood. The, the government's wanting to sort of shut it down and take the horses away, and animal welfare is getting involved. On top of that, you have a young boy who's been sent back because his dad, because his dad isn't it, sort of the, yeah. um, he's on a, on a bad path at this point in time and he, he's to try and straighten him out. It's a, it's a fresh Prince of Bel-Air idea, but rather than sending him to, to Bel-Air, they're sending him to his dad in Philadelphia to, to straighten him out with the horses. Yeah. Um, in the film, you've got Idris Elba, um, who pops up in it. Really, you got, he gets the main, the main um, title, but he's not in it actually that much, I'm surprised at, like how little he's in it. But he has uh, a name, he has a name that yeah. sells it, I suppose. Yeah, um, Caleb McLaughlin, who is in Stranger Things, he, he's sort of the, the young boy who's the main protagonist of the film. Uh, Lorraine Toussaint, um, and also Method Man pops up in it as well, which is also quite, quite interesting. Um, I'll start on this one. Um, I thought it was really interesting. It's a really interesting true story, and the, the idea of gentrification and, and where you belong in the world is something that's really important. Um, 
you know, this idea of you know, sort of the governments and local councils just sort of bulldozing history in order to make things they think is like sort of, you know, more acceptable or sort of not acceptable, more sort of like what people like, but it's not, it's sort of papering over and making concrete and over what was the soul of that neighbourhood and what, what made that place its own. You know, sometimes it's done it for good. You know, some people say, you know, some, some areas have been done and it's made area more, um, you know, affluent and, and nicer, but also sometimes make it more affluent. The, the people who live in that neighbourhood then can't afford to live in it. You know, it's the idea of, like people in London can't afford, Londoners can't live in London because it's so expensive now because it's been all gentrified and all that kind of stuff, you know. The idea of Berlin is the problem. All the artists went into Berlin, you know, after the war and made it all really cool and happy. And then all these businesses come in and just basically bulldozed the place and made it into like so expensive that artists can no longer afford to live there. So it's that idea, you know, just this how how a, how a area adapts. Um, I did feel though the best part of the film for me was the, the final five minutes when they had the real people talking. Yes, yeah, that's why I was a bit, that's why I was late coming on to this yeah. today. It's because usually I go right five minutes for the <clears throat> five minutes for the end trailers, right? I can knock five minutes off the runtime of the movie. But I was sitting there, and then all of a sudden the trailer started running. And then the actual like real people from that neighborhood and area yeah. they started popping up, and I'm like, damn it, I'm so I, I want to hear your story. Yeah, like, that's you're exactly. I think it would make a it would make a better documentary than it would make a totally a, a feature. The feature film is fine. It's just not it's not a bad film. It's totally it's absolutely passable. Yeah. The story with the young boy and sort of trying to find his way in the world again, totally fine. Felt yeah. a bit long at two hours. You know, I would I, would, I wouldn't say I would say that. I felt like it did drag on a little bit. Um, surprised at how little Elba was in it, but the rest mm. of the cast did carry it all really well. But my gosh, yeah. I'm I'm fine with I I don't know about you but I'm more than happy with it. See, because he's like a big name. Yeah. I'm happy for the bigger name to take a step back, especially in this kind of film. Yeah. I'm happy for the bigger name just to be there, but in the background and just yeah. let other people carry the movie, you know. Yeah. And he kind of just name on it got that funding. Movie. You know, his name on it got the funding because he's yeah. in it. The film get made, so I'm I'm okay with that. But God, yeah. she's made a documentary on this. Maybe there's a documentary there. I'd love to see it about these guys, these real people who. Live in the city with these hobbies, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, I know. I know I said this last week, so I'm kind of now just repeating myself. This is a movie where I now feel intrigued to go and get the book and actually yeah. read the book, you know, absolutely, absolutely, and just get a more kind of chunkier Aye. story about it, you know. Because I mean, we were in New York, we went on like the, the Central Park carriage ride thing with the horses, we've done that. Mm. And then we were the last we were the last ride of the day because it's quite late on the day, so she was going home at that point. And I thought like the best stable in the in the park. But she was apparently on the other side of the town. She just she just takes the horses out on the public road, like in the middle of New York, Manhattan, and takes the horses through the street. And I'm going, no one, that is absolutely badass as fuck. Honestly, that is so cool. And that, <laughs> I, I, kind of, I love that kind of old world, new world combining and then try to kind of, kind of hold on to the sort of things of the past. It's, it's really nice. And apparently mm. it's the same in um, LA. In LA, because of um, sort of laws regarding like film stars keeping horses, there's loads of people in LA who've still got horses in their sort of not houses but in their sort of back gardens because the laws allow it. Um, and also a really important story that's not touched on, which I'm probably you could even double this up with like, a documentary sort of like exploring the Philadelphia Cowboys and also the idea of the black cowboy because. Apparently, mm. one, like twenty five percent or thirty percent of cowboys in the old west were black. Yeah, but yeah. If you watch any western film, how many times you see a black cowboy in a film? Almost never. Yeah, I know, I know. As unfortunately, westerns were hot in Hollywood. Unfortunately, when there was like 
a lot of white actors point, and yeah. there wasn't a lot of uh, black actors unfortunately yeah. and I think I think if like westerns ever came back round and been hot now I think you'd probably find the stories would be a lot more true to the actual real life uh, situations I think you'd find they'd do a lot better a job trying to like research and find out like the kind of race of this person rather than just assuming they were white or whatever yeah, you know I mean like the remake of the Magnificent Seven that came out in like 2016, it wasn't great, but it was okay. it was okay. But you had mm. Denzel as a cowboy in that film, and can you think of a guy more attuned to being a cowboy than Denzel Washington? Like the man just looks like he should. He has a gravitas, he has a stature, he has a voice. You're like make yeah. Denzel a cowboy. Yeah. With like Morgan yeah. Freeman next to him, Morgan Freeman did play a cowboy, played it in um, Unforgiven. But yeah, you have a point. It's that you can have made a doc, a really interesting documentary about these Philadelphia cowboys. But maybe in that have the history of the black cowboy and how that all came about and how you know because you know how how they all settled in Philadelphia. It's it been such an interesting story, and, and that's the real sadness of this one. Film absolutely passable, like you said. I want to go and read the book now after about it and find out maybe a bit more. But a documentary on these guys would be absolutely phenomenal. And I think it was so interesting to see them to hear them speak and more more than just like five minutes into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, did totally. Almost makes you want to grab your camera and go and try and make a documentary yourself. Aye. Yeah. But I'm thinking, yeah. I'm feeling that the area might be getting dildos now. It might all be gone from what the PS in the film said. It's all about it, like, basically pushing on with the getting rid of it, which is so, so sad. Yeah, yeah. I get yeah. it. I understand horses living in houses is not the smartest idea, but the animals didn't seem abused and the animals seemed to be taken care of. So surely that's more important. Yeah. Aye. It's just, okay, neither the end of the film when that kind of like local policeman to the area uh, and the kind of white governor guy, like you can see that they are just talking fucking bureaucratic bullshit. It's yeah. like they're kind of just pinning anything to try and get these horses away from this area. That's all they're kind of really doing. Right. It'll be the animal rights PC brigade who are like determined yeah. not to allow it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting film. I'd give it a six out of 10. I enjoyed it, but a documentary I would be so much more intrigued by. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I was giving it six out of ten as well, purely just because it's like a the main plot of the film is a, it, the story's been done a thousand times over. Like the interest about these people who like live with horses and they live like, like a older style of living, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's worth a watch. It's worth a wee watch even on a on an evening if you're looking for a film even on a Wednesday evening, which is when I watched it. Um, yeah. That is us for this week. Next week, with some interesting stuff to watch. We have one that you've wanted to watch and you've recommended called Sherpa, which Ooh. is on Netflix. Nice. Um, a film about the guys who basically help the people climb Everest but get very little of the glory of climbing Everest. Um, you also we also have it's on Netflix. We also have Sound of Metal from Amazon Prime, which is getting all the love for like Oscars and Riz Hamid's apparently going to pick up the Best Actor Oscar. So, really looking forward to that. That's on Amazon Prime. And also on Netflix, is a, it's a kind of horror thriller called Run, in which it's one of the first films since the 1950s, I think it is, that um, the lead actress is in a wheelchair. So it's sort of, it's obviously breaking barriers and that, and it's been a long time since anything like that's happened. So very intrigued by all three of those films. We'll talk about them next week. Maybe even possibly next week, me and you'll be doing this in person, Barry. How nice would that be? That genuinely would be lovely. It would be lovely. Hopefully, we'll see how it goes. But um, all things, all things being not raining, we should be able to do this in person with each other in the safety of a, a back garden. Well, it's been too long, man. I'm not gonna lie. It's been too long. It's too long. As much as Zoom calls are fun, 
you realise that that is just generally they're just a wee bit flatter than what they could be if in re- in real life, you know. Absolutely, hundred percent, absolutely. Um, tell me what you find us. All the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's great for this week. I've been Richard. You've been Barry. You've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.